welcome to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. I am your host, Carolyn Berry. This podcast is for grandparents on the go with their grandchildren and for parents who want to ensure loving relationships across the generations. I welcome your feedback and your input on every episode of the podcast we produce. Please send me an email, carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com. Now sit back with your favorite beverage and enjoy today's episode. Joining me on this episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast are three guests. The first is Natalie Chodowitz, who is the author of the book, Popcorn Thanks. Charlene Habermeyer is a grandmother who has a website that provides grandparents with lots of activities to keep the young ones busy. And the third guest is John Chan, who is the administrator of the Facebook group, A Place for Grandparents. Natalie Chadowitz is the author of the book, Popcorn Thanks. I hesitate to call it a children's book because this is a book all ages can benefit from reading and practicing. It encourages readers to be grateful and thankful for the things that are in their lives. And Natalie is going to even tell us about the research that backs up that premise. Welcome, Natalie, to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and what was the inspiration for the book? I've always really been drawn to ideas that sort of inspire people and transform them. I've always been drawn to really big ideas like that. And then about 12 years ago, I got married and moved to Austin, Texas, where I am now. And we now have three little boys. So our lives are full of absolute chaos and a lot of joy and a lot of adventure. So it's just a ton of fun over here. And Popcorn Thanks is something that it has really been a family tradition, something that we've done with the boys since they were really little. We do it all the time. It's a game we play of giving thanks and talking about our day and what happened good in that day, what we're thankful for, what we're grateful for. And it's a, it's a conversation that we have. It's just something that we've always done. We do it in the morning. Sometimes we do it at night before bed. Sometimes we do it in the car and it's just really become a lifestyle. It's something that I can tell really changes the mood in the house. It allows the boys to really focus on what's good in their life instead of complaining about a lot of things, which is something that we can all do a lot hear about gratitude being important, but the more you start practicing it and really seeing it come alive in your life, the more I've really seen it, it just transform our family. So I really think it's sort of the key to, to living your best life. And we've had a lot of really good times and we've had a lot of really hard times in our family. But if we've been able to stay rooted in that gratitude, it's just really helped the environment here a lot. And it helps my boys just realize what's good in their lives. And there's always something that we can find to be grateful for. So that was really the, the general inspiration for the project. And several years ago, I started thinking about how quickly their childhood is sort of slipping through my fingers here. And it's just, you know, they say it goes by so fast and gosh, I can tell it really is. And so I started thinking about what I could do to sort of memorialize their childhood. And so I thought about creating this project 
really for that reason, because I thought it was something they could take with them. It would sort of represent something we've done as a family. And then the more I started putting pen to paper and and, uh, thinking about the concept, I thought, you know, I really think that this is something that other families could benefit from. And I started realizing that it's not something families all do. It's really where where the idea was birthed, so to speak. The, The project itself is a hardback storybook and a hand knit little popcorn toy that come in a box together. And the toy is used to play this game of thanks. So the way we play the game is we pass the the, the little popcorn toy is, is named Pearl from the story. And we pass Pearl around and each person gets a turn talking about what they're thankful for. And then it passes along to the next person. It's a simple little concept. And the book explains a little story about this popcorn kernel who she's really just a tiny little kernel on a corn stalk growing in a garden. And she has three farmers that tend to her and she starts becoming really jealous of the other vegetables in the garden. So she feels really small, really insignificant um, compared to the tomatoes and compared to the cucumbers that are, you know, super cool and compared to the, the carrots that are always really smart. And she just starts feeling inferior, which I think is an important thing to acknowledge, especially in today's age, especially with social media, as, as children start comparing themselves to others. And she really starts losing her perception of who she is and what she's created to be. And, and she starts losing her joy. But the book talks about that. And the farmers know that she's special. They, they know even that she's not just even a regular corn. She's popcorn and she has a huge destiny. And all the other vegetables know this about her. The farmers start talking to her about be grateful for who you are and what you were created to do. So she starts giving thanks. And as she starts that simple process of giving thanks for the things that she sees around her. Her entire life starts changing. I won't give away the ending of the story, but it goes through this entire journey for her to to gratitude. I've had a lot of customers sending me little messages about the impact that it's having on their family and how their children are asking to play it at night, at dinner, and just how it's it's really just changing their, their lives. And you think about the importance of this. I mean, it's not just a book. It's not just a little stuffed toy. It's a real life-changing mindset for these children to be able to grow up and to naturally have an outlook that is positive. There's been a, a lot of research about the impact of gratitude on your life. Harvard Medical School, for example, put a, a report together in 2011 that talks about giving thanks can make you happier. It says in positive psychology research, gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improves their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. It's really pretty amazing to think that this simple little activity can have such life-changing effects. There's another group called the Heart Math Institute, and they've come up with some pretty unbelievable data about hearts that are full of gratitude. They said, if one can hold an elevated emotional state of either gratitude, appreciation, care, or compassion for just 90 seconds, the heart sends a signal to the brain through the vagus nerve, and the body registers that signal as love As a result, 1,300 healing, life-giving biochemical reactions are released in the body that last for about six hours. So really, a cheerful heart is good medicine, and research is, is backing that up. What has been the response to the book? 
I received a, a message from a friend recently who's a grandparent. His name is Ben. He's a, a very successful attorney. And he said, and I'll read to you what he wrote. He said, my grandson, Connor, recently turned four. I had just received your book, Popcorn Thanks, and read it to him as a bedtime book. He was mesmerized. When we finished, I asked him if he could tell me something he was thankful for. He looked away for a moment in thought, and I had no idea if he even grasped that question, then turned back and said, I am really thankful for my mommy and daddy, for my Didi, grandmother, for you, Papa, me, granddad, my baby sister, Brooke, and on he went. I was overwhelmed. And it's true, even children as young as four and even younger can really start grasping this concept. You think they might not get it, but they do. And, and this particular package, this package of popcorn thanks really puts it in a, a tangible scenario so that it, it can resonate well for them. But this is a game, you know, many people play this game at Thanksgiving specifically where they might go around and say what they're thankful for. And that's the only time that they do that. But this allows it to be a real daily activity. Where can our listeners find your book? The website where you can buy it. It's popcornthanks.com. If listeners want to contact you, what is the best email address? Hello at popcornthanks.com. Our next guest is Charlene Habermeyer, who is the author of the book, Good Music, Brighter Children, as well as the blog, Good Parenting, Brighter Children. Her mission is to help parents and grandparents nurture their children's wonder and curiosity, build children's confidence and intellect using music, books, family traditions, and good nutrition. She wants to create lifelong learners, and she today will be sharing with us activities we can use to celebrate Valentine's Day. We have our, we have four of our grandchildren come up each week for two days and we do all different kinds of activities and I try to incorporate crafts and art and music and sensory activities and definitely things of in the kitchen, cooking and baking. We try to um, tune into nature. Uh, all of the kids love to be outside even in winter time. Uh, we do field trips, we do games. So those are some of the activities and I don't post everything on my blog of all the activities. This time I posted eight different Valentine activities that you can do with your grandchildren. And I'll tell you the one that the kids absolutely loved and it was making nature Valentine ornaments. And I had seen this on Instagram that they had used a pie tin and it was for at Christmas time and their kids and grandkids had put all different kinds of paraphernalia into it and they had poured water over it and froze it but they were pretty large and so I wanted something smaller so I drug out my uh, square muffin tin there's 12 little square squares in it and I gave my uh, grandkids different winter fruits like cranberry sections of oranges and grapefruit we also went outside and we cut branches from the pine tree and we cut them even smaller and then i had felt hearts and also sequins and i just told them i said let's put you know you can put them however you want into each one of these squares and then i had cut strings uh, multicolored strings that we tucked down into it <clears throat> each one of them and then we poured water over them and then we froze them 
Now, when they, um, when they came out of the freezer, then we popped them out and the kids went outside and it was amazing because it was snowing on Saturday and they got to hang up all their ornaments on a lilac tree that I have in the backyard. And then I told them, I said, because it's snowing, we're going to watch these ornaments throughout the day. And the snow fell on them and the temperatures were cold enough that they didn't melt. And now the next morning when we got up, we went outside and there were icicles that were hanging down from each of them and there was more snow. And amazingly, only one of the 12 had actually fallen off the tree. So that was a super fun and very, very simple, very, very easy activity that you can do for Valentine's with your, with your grandkids. Another activity that we did involves newspaper print. And I had seen this from an art teacher uh, that he had done it. What he did is he drew Valentine's on actual newspaper and then he had the students use watercolors and paint over them and then cut them out. But here's the problem. I, I did a test run on that. And I don't know if he's using different newspaper than I am, but when I put the watercolor over it, it crinkled up the newspaper. So what I did is I actually scanned some pages from the newspaper onto the computer and I sized it on an eight and a half by 11. And then I printed them out in different colors of cardstock. And the older two kids, I had them cut their hearts out. The younger two, which are two years old and three, I cut their hearts out. And then I gave them black poster board and they could glue them on any way that they wanted to. And then I gave them tempera paint. So we had white and pink and red. And we took, I, I gave them different cookie cutters, different Valentine cookie cutters of hearts in different shapes and also circles. But I also gave them potato mashers, showed them how, you know, so they wouldn't completely glob up their picture with, a, you know, the paint from the potato masher. And we also made from toilet paper rolls, and be sure to save your toilet paper rolls because you can do so many things with them. We just made them into little hearts. We squoze the bottom real tight. So that would be the bottom of the heart. And then we pushed in the toilet paper roll on top and we made... Uh, a heart. And then they use those to uh, stamp paint as well. And using the black and we had pink and white and red. And I even did some turquoise colored um, Valentine's as well. So that made a really pretty presentation. It was just a fun um, project. In the kitchen, we did a really fun um, project and it was, uh, we were making layered finger jello. Now, I've had this recipe since 1979 when my neighbor in California gave this to me. So it's been a long time that I've had this recipe, but it does take time. You, every single layer, there's a total of nine layers. You use five boxes of Jello, and then you can use them in any color you want, but because it was Valentine's, we used red. And then the white part of the Jello is a sweetened condensed milk. Um, combination. And here's the problem with it. it. If I had my teenage grandkids, I would have had them do the entire thing because they're older. You know, I would say from about 10 on up, they understand, you know, you've got to time every single layer and in the refrigerator and every layer has to be timed perfectly. So you have all the layers sticking together and not coming apart. So I did that part. And then I had the grandkids, um, I gave them all different kinds of heart shaped sizes and so forth of cookie cutters. And then they cut them, um, you know, they pushed them down and popped out their Valentines. And actually, these are kind of fun because we all know that Jello is not the best food in the world for kids. It's way too sugary. But that sweetened condensed layer, the white layer that's there, it kind of softens things a bit. So that was that was nice. So we did that in the kitchen. Now, also, every time the kids come, I try to do a sensory activity something that will help to build. And a lot of people think we just have five senses. We actually have nine senses. And one of them is proprioception. And proprioception is really important because it is actually the kinesthetic sense. 
And so it gives us our understanding of where our limbs are and the rest of our body are in space and then the relationship to each other. And there's a direct correlation with proprioception and a child being able to concentrate and focus on a task. So I try to look at the, the nine senses and decide on different sensory activities. And so this one, I gave them each a, a paper heart. It was like a, a shiny paper heart. And I said that we were going to make Play-Doh little flowers and all different colors and put around the Play-Doh heart. Now, the, one of the ways that you build proprioception is through hard work, through tasks that take exertion. And I had seen this on Instagram. And what she had done is she had used a craft maker which is just a metal thing and you put the Play-Doh in and you turn this crank and it flattens it out. I didn't want my grandkids doing that. I wanted them to actually use some elbow grease because this is going to help proprioception. So I gave them each a big rolling pin and I had them flatten their Play-Doh with the rolling pin. And then I showed them, I said, you can just scrunch it however you want and then we'll put it on the heart and they each had their own heart. Now, another thing that helps with proprioception is that they use a garlic press. So they each had a garlic press and I told them to put the Play-Doh in the, the hole there and then they were to press it out. And, you know, for a two-year-old and three-year-old, you're, you're really using a lot of muscle. So they uh, squirted them out and they loved it when they saw all these worm-like pieces of Play-Doh coming through those holes. And then they put those in the center of it. That was a super easy activity because all you need is Play-Doh, a paper heart, which you can get at the dollar store and a garlic press on a rolling pin. And that really is going to help build their proprioception. In fact, I use a lot of those activities. They also like to hammer things. So I'll use, I'll give them each a mallet hammer. Again, I got those at the dollar store and I've got some golf tees and I'll give them things that are having like a styrofoam, like a Halloween time. I gave them pumpkins and they would pound them into the pumpkin and create different designs and so forth. Again, that helps with building their proprioception. One of my second favorite activities that we did was we made Picasso handprints. I wanted them to give a gift to their parents for Valentine's and we haven't completely finished with it yet, but we did do the handprints last Saturday. I took a handprint of their mother and their father, the father's left hand, the mother's right hand, and then a handprint of theirs. Okay, then we cut them out and then I showed them pictures from Picasso, his artwork, and explained to them the rose period and the blue period. And I don't take a lot of time explaining this because I do have a two-year-old and a three-year-old as well. I showed them the different things of how Picasso did not do everything traditionally and that they could decide on how they wanted to color their handprints. Then I gave them markers and dot markers and oil pastels. And I said, just create something as pretty as you can. And then we're going to intertwine the hands and we're going, the, the parents' hands, and then we're going to put your handprint on top. And then I'll give you a you can choose a, a Valentine sticker that you can put on your, on your hand. So that's what they did. I wanted to make this a mixed media art project. So I also gave them a canvas. Now you can get canvases at Michael's. You should also try out Ross Dress for Less if you have one in your area. They have a section of crafts and they bundle their, their canvases and their flat canvases. So those work really well, I have found for a number of projects too. So I gave them pink and red and white tempera paints and I gave them foam brushes as well as the other brushes. And because foam brushes, you're gonna get a different texture on a canvas. And I told them to paint it and mix the colors and do whatever they want. And kids really do like to mix paint colors. So I give them the dishes that they can mix the paint colors. And that was their background. And then they sprinkled uh, silver glitter and they had red glitter and, and actually turquoise glitter too that they could sprinkle. So we waited till those two dried. 
And then we've actually adhered, the, we just glued on their, their handprints onto the canvas. And this coming week, they're going to finish their, they started their love notes to their parents and they're going to finish, I have really big white envelopes that they're going to put these into. And we're going to make chocolate sauce, a homemade chocolate sauce and chocolate chip cookies to dip into the chocolate sauce. So it's as Valentine's-y as we can get. So that was a really fun project. Another thing that we did, and I'm gonna tell you some easy ways of doing this, and that is kids love puzzles. And puzzles help with brain organization. It's amazing. It's just so important. I try and do puzzles, you know, usually the store-bought puzzles with my grandkids each uh, time they come because I, you know, it's so important for brain organization and cognition, which is the learning process. So with this one, years ago, probably 18 years ago, there was a place called PC Crafters. They were online and for $5, you could download clip art and they had all different kinds of artists and I downloaded a lot of them. They were $5 per bundle. They've gone out of business. I still have all of my clip art. So what I did is I just enlarged them on the computer to fit an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. Then I printed them off in cardstock and then I trimmed them. Then I cut them with horizontal or vertical cuts. Now you can also do horizontal cuts. You can do diagonal cuts. I've done all of those before, but this time I did vertical cuts. Then I went to a place called Lakeshore Learning and you can find places in your area that, that they do any kind of lamination because you want some of the things that you, you know, put time and effort into creating, you want to use them over and over again and laminating ensures that. So I had each piece laminated, I trimmed them, and then I mixed them all up and I had the kids put them together and they were all the vertical. Now, because I was not able to put the, the link to you know these because I did sign an agreement when I bought this clip art that I would only use it for personal use. So my other idea would be go to Pixabay or Unsplash, or there's also I think Pixels. These are all royalty-free places. And in the search bar, you can just put in Valentine clip art or you can put in Valentine's Day. Even if it's a photograph, you can still enlarge it and you can create a puzzle from that and have your kids put, your grandkids put it together. And you can do something like that for every holiday or for their birthday or, you know, a picture of themselves or the child that you can enlarge and create into a puzzle. Those are all really fun. One thing I also try to do is to have a filler activity uh, when they come. And that's usually an activity that I can give them all the stuff and they can be working on it. I have everything organized, but you have to still you know, do the last minute putting it out and so forth. So I will have them do that, a filler activity. And this time I bought these big wooden hearts at the dollar store. I gave them the pink and red and white paint and plenty of glitter. And I said, you know, after you, you know, you paint these, we're going to have them dry. Then I have lots and lots of stickers. I've done it also with washi tape and you can get washi tape on Amazon. I've given them another medium like pens and they can draw something on the wood after they get through painting it. You can do whatever you want to do, but it's a really fun and quick filler activity. And at the end of each time that we have our grandkids, I always ask them, what was the very favorite thing that you did? And that's usually what I start my blog with. And on this one, they said they loved doing the ornaments because then after they hung up their ornaments, we played out in the snow for a time. And so it's, I think it's fun and I think it's important to ask your grandkids. It kind of gives you kind of an, a litmus test as well to find out what kinds of activities that they're drawn to. And my uh, grandkids seem to always be drawn to anything that's outdoors and in nature. Try and incorporate whatever their loves are into your activities when you have them over.
two of my grandsons visited us this weekend, and we made one of the activities that Charlene talked about, the paper hands intertwined on canvas. I want to play for you a little clip of an interview I did with my grandsons about this project. My name's Hunter. What did you make for your mom and dad for Valentine's Day? A picture for Valentine's Day with our hands. With your handprints, cut out of your hands. And what uh-huh. did we do first? Um, put the hands on. We glued the hands and we intertwined fingers on a canvas. Yeah. And then what did we do? And then we put the stickers on. And what are the stickers? And the hearts. And what color are the hearts? Pink, white, red. And then what did we do? And then we did, um... We put what on? What's this called? Glitter. Glitter. Tell people how old you are. My, how old am I? I'm five years old. My name is Kate, and I am seven years old. Oh, and this picture is a masterpiece, but it also, but I, but I also trace my hand and also my dad and mom's, and they're like together, like a family. I, uh, it's gorgeous. Our next guest is John Chan, the administrator of the Facebook group, A Place for Grandparents. Tell me a little bit about you and about your Facebook group and how you got started with it. Well, um, my name is John Chan. I'm uh, 54 and I am, uh, well, compared to most, a fairly recent grandfather of two. I have a grandson who was uh, coming up to four and a uh, granddaughter who was about four months old. And uh, when, when, my, when my grandson was born in, um, in uh, 2017, I, I thought about, you know, I wonder what's it like, well, are there any groups out there that talks about grandparenting? I'm, I'm totally new to this. Um, I have to say that, um, you know, being from, uh, from a Chinese culture, like um, my grandparents' world is vastly different from mine. And I wanted to understand what's it like to have to be with other grandparents in, in North America. And so I started to search and, and I did find some grandparenting groups. In the end, um, I decided to form my own. And mostly, I think my purpose was to create a, a community of grandparents, um, not just in the, across North America, but around the world, to share our collective experience, to, to really say, you know, what is it like for other grandparents? Um, what are the things that they enjoy? What do they struggle with? And uh, that's sort of how this group started. How do grandparents find you? Well, if they have a Facebook account, um, what they can do is they can search up uh, the title, um, the group name, A Place for Grandparents, and they will find my group and they can just request a uh, uh, membership. Now, the way I set it up is that I wanted to do my very best within the tools available to me um, through Facebook to, to be as safe as possible. And so I do do a fairly rigid um, uh, screening process. I take the time to actually look at the people who apply and see if they at least answer the basic questions such as, are you a grandparent and why do you want to join the group? So typically um, people who are just trying to scam, et cetera, they don't take the time to answer those questions. And if they do, I do search their profile to, say, to see if there's any sign of them actually being grandparents in their, in their pictures. 
Now, I understand that some people do lock down their profile and there's very little to almost no information. And in those situations, I have to decline because I'd rather be safe than sorry. And so I know that there's probably some grandparents that uh, are, are, have a very secure, um, very limited public um, profile. But in that situation, I'm, I'm, I feel that this is a, uh, a trade-off I, I feel is worth that uh, if I don't see positive signs or realist uh, that you are a grandparent, I won't admit the, um, the group member. As a grandparent who is a member of that group, I truly appreciate your concern for the safety of our children. How should they go about joining groups and protecting their grandchildren? Well, you know, with Facebook, um, there are many different levels of um, uh, group security, um, should we say. Um, you have the public group, and this is akin to walking into a park and just talking to a group of people. You can walk in, walk out. Anybody can do that. Um, you don't have to be a grandparent. You can, and some of these groups are just completely public, which means that they're wide open. Anybody can, with, a, with a profile can join. And so, therefore, these groups tend to grow very, very quickly. Now, as you can understand, if the front door is basically unlocked and open, anybody can walk in. And so therefore, anything you post on there is essentially posted to the, to the whole wide world. And other groups are more restricted, which means that uh, a mod, uh, admin or a moderator will have to, you have to apply for membership. You can't just sort of walk in and see what is posted. And so therefore that group is a little bit more secure. And then there are the secret groups, which could be set up by families and just close friends, where if you don't know the group, um, if you don't know someone who's in the group, you won't be able to find it or be, um, be able to join. And so, you know, those are some of the things that to watch out for, especially because if you're looking for a group where you want to meet with other real grandparents and not have to deal with, you know, pedophiles, which, I remember I have a filter out and I have blocked them uh, on regular occasion. Then you need to choose a group that has the correct um, the type of security that will allow you to be comfortable. Some people don't mind posting everything to everybody, uh, but I'm, that's not my comfort zone. I certainly appreciate that. I know one time you asked for pictures to put as a cover page and you were very concerned about not putting children's faces in the pictures, not That's being right. able to see Yeah, because the cover page for a group, everybody sees it. It's basically the front sign to to your place. And I wanted our group to show, I want to show them people who are interested that our group is, is for this talk about, talk about grandchildren and people would like to, to show um, pictures of the grandchildren, but within a group cover, I said, you know what, um, no pictures of your actual face of your grandchildren and no other indications of where they might live, such as street addresses, schools, or, um, you know, a lot of times like um, grandparents will hold up uh, awards from their grandchildren that have one at school and it's got the full name address of the school and address and the name of the kid on there. And I said, um, you're going to have to block that up before I can let you post it. <laughs> it's just for the safety. I think a lot of grandparents don't realize how easily pedophiles can find information and they're just, it's not something that they think about every day. So they aren't aware of how easily that information can be found. That's very true. And they're also very, very clever at finding their way in. But with my, um, over the time that I was administration um, as, the, as a group, uh, as a moderator, I began to find that there are certain commonality, there are certain indications that there's something not quite right about this profile and I tend to rather be I tend to be very cautious and so 
other groups that grow very quickly, good on them. Um, I don't know how they would do their filtering process, but I rather grow very slow and try to keep it with uh, people that I have a very good indication that uh, they are truly uh, grandparents with the right attitude, right, right intentions for joining the group. Did you know your grandparents? Um, I did. Um, they passed away in the late 80s. So I was in my early 20s at the time. And so I didn't really know them too much. Um, for most part, we didn't, um, they lived, uh, when we were, when we immigrated to Canada in the, in the early 70s, uh, my grandparents lived in New York at that time. And um, I think it was uh, in the early 80s. Yeah, so somewhere in the early 80s, they, um, they moved to Vancouver. Um, I remember that we did go out together and, um, but you know, I think one of the things that, because it was such a culture divide, we didn't always get along. Now, we didn't fight or uh, there wasn't anything um, terrible uh, going on, but I remember being as a kid, I couldn't quite understand them and uh, the way they thought. But, you know, as a family, I appreciate the fact that we had three generations under one roof. Sometimes it was a little bit crazy. Sometimes I wonder why they were mad at me as a little kid. But um, a lot of times I do remember them trying to reach out to me and uh, just helping me connect with them in a way that, um, that makes sense to them. Um, and so this is one of the reasons why I, I, I wanted to uh, create this group is that it helps us to discuss these type of situations where sometimes I see grandparents say, you know, my kids don't understand me or my grandkids don't understand me. And then, you know, we can maybe talk about that and find out, you know, what can we do as grandparents on our end to be more accessible in terms of relationships to our children and our grandchildren. When you were growing up, was the Chinese culture an important part of your family's everyday life? Oh, very much so. Um, even to even today, um, being uh, being a Canadian and um, I grew up here in Canada, I felt that there was always that um, that connection to my to my Chinese culture, where it's very familial. Um, grandparents are um, have that instant respect and, um, and and reverence. You when you approach them, you are the one who who initiates the greeting, and then they they return the greeting. And at dinner tables, they will be the first ones to, to, um, to, to start eating and then we start eating. Um, there was a lot of that. And I think that that has always been, you know, I, I think a lot of those elements passed through many different cultures, but there's those little nuances which are unique to, to Chinese culture that I still retain. And I, I think it's kind of interesting to see that um, my kids, when we sit down together, they wait till, for me to start eating before, I start, before they start eating. And uh, I remember a time it was like, I, don't, I wouldn't touch my chopstick until I see my grandparents and my parents picking up their food. So it's kind of interesting to, to, uh, to see that I am now on the other side of that, uh, that equation now. That must be a good feeling to pass down those traditions. Yes, there's some really good ones. And they're, they're all the ones that, you know, we try to be a hybrid. We, I find that as a family, we're a hybrid. We take the best of Western culture and we try to blend it in with the best of what we remember with, uh, with, uh, with the Chinese culture. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes they conflict. But for the most part, um, I think it's allowed us to be a, a much more tight-knit family. Will you share with us one tradition that you're passing on to your grandchildren? Well, one of the ones that uh, we do pass on is that um, in, in Chinese culture, you never 
uh, speak to your, um, you never call your, your parents or your grandparents by name. I know that um, some of my friends who grew up, they call their mother and their grandparents by name. It's, and for them, the idea is that it creates a sense of intimacy. Um, instead of sir or ma'am, um, it seems more distant. But in Chinese culture, to call your parents or your grandparents by first name is actually an um, intentional sign of disrespect. It's like, I, I, I reject my relationship with you, therefore I'm calling you by your first name. So it really comes down to that. And so what we, in our home, uh, my, my, my children, my, my son-in-law call me mom and dad, um, and my grandchildren call me uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, that's, that's uh, how we call a grandfather. And my, my, my wife, uh, they call them mama. And uh, they call that is the grandmother, how you call it. So are you a three generation household now? Yes, we are. Um, last year, last September, um, actually at the beginning of last year, um, my, my daughter, my son-in-law um, called us up and said, now mom and dad, um, we were wondering if you would consider uh, moving in with us because they had bought a house and it was very close to my work and my wife's work. And because at that time we lived uh, quite, a ways, uh, for, uh, quite a ways further away, they knew that we were, we were very eager and very um, happy to be part of raising um, our grandchildren. And so at that time, we were driving 20 to 25 minutes um, to bring them to our place, have them stay overnight so that my kids can have a break and they can see their friends. And we were doing it that way. Um, it was a labor of love, which I was very happy to do. But then they said, no, we're, we got a house. We're going to renovate downstairs. If, you, if you'd like to, move in with us. My wife and I thought, you know what? We understand boundaries. We respect the time. We want our own time. So I think we could work. And so it's been over a year now, and it's been very seamless. And I, I thank God that it had really worked out. So yes, we are a three-generation house. Now the grandkids and my grandson just sort of free flows up and down the stairs to some degree. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. For me, I, I get snippets of uh, throughout the day. Um, my daughter might say, hey, dad, I'm, I want to slip out to Safeway. Can you watch, uh, can you just have the door open, listen for, for Keegan who's sleeping and then uh, just have um, Toby down for a snack for maybe an hour or an hour and a half? And I said, sure. It's just a short little burst here and there throughout the day. And it's no, and I don't really get that long, like full day. They drop off in the morning and I, they don't leave till the end of the evening. And then in that way, it makes it more sustainable. And we're not the same as when we were raising our kids in our 20s and our 30s and 40s. I just don't have that energy anymore. I have a hard time getting down on the floor and getting back up when, when I'm doing crafts with them. That takes longer now. So yeah, there's a good reason why, uh, you know, people in our age are not generally raising toddlers. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. If you did, I would like for you to do two things for me. One, hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any episodes of the podcast and ask your family members and friends to do the same. The second thing is to visit the website adventureswithgrammy.com and look on the menu bar and click on the link newsletter sign up. That will give you access to my monthly newsletter. Also, ask your family members and friends if they will sign up too. Please feel free to contact me, carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com, with any comments or suggestions.